You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with James Browning, founder and executive director of F-. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I'm doing this new group called F-, which tracks fossil fuel lobbyists and looks at the extent to which they also represent people being harmed by the climate crisis. So in state capitals, there will usually be a group of, they're called the top dog lobbyists, like the leader of the pack. And these are the people you hire if you want to get access to legislative leadership. And they can have some clients doing wonderful work for conserving green space or local charities or youth programs, but they also represent fossil fuel companies who are really the architects of the climate crisis. And these are people like ExxonMobil and Coke companies and the American Petroleum Institute who knew this would happen. They knew the climate crisis would happen and they've been telling us that it won't. And they've been telling us not to believe our own eyes. And right now in every state capital, they are doing everything they can to slow the transition from fossil fuels to renewables. Now, the reason it's so insidious that they're able to represent both fossil fuel companies and all of these other groups doing wonderful things, charities, ballet companies, religious institutions, schools, it's really insidious because if you were a lobbyist and your only client was an oil and gas company, you would have a hard time getting a meeting with some legislators. You would be seen as a villain, as someone complicit in the crisis. But if you also represent a local school, a local charity, an environmental group, suddenly it's a different conversation and you are potentially a hero in the eyes of this legislator. You're someone representing the people of their district. You're bringing them hope and health and opportunity. And this is why it's so hard to raise awareness about the climate crisis. There is every temptation to take a break from all the bad news and the worry and just try to focus on the good news. The only real uh, or taboo in play is that a lobbyist can't work for and against the same bill at the same time. So it's just an incompatible conflict of interest. The origin of this project actually goes to question, you know, how is this possible? Isn't there a rule or a law? But if all along your community has one of these lobbyists, it really negates a lot of the good things that are happening locally because it normalizes, it legitimizes the fossil fuel industry. And they have an incredible array of clients. And if the the expert in any given state is always someone who represents both sides of the issue, the best result you're ever going to get is some kind of muddy compromise in the middle. The crisis is moving too fast for us to continue to have these sort of 50-50 compromises, but it's too late to be doing that. We are ruined if that's the only way forward. The traditional defense of this lobbying practice is that somehow hiring a lobbyist is like hiring a lawyer and the guilt or innocence of your lawyer's other clients shouldn't affect your case. But that's not how lobbying works at all. It is all connected and it's really more like hiring your own shadow state senator who has the ability to introduce legislation and get it passed. And what you are really doing is getting all of the political baggage that comes with that person that you are hiring. Trying to get this issue out there, but I think we all need to wake up and realize that we are complicit in a system that is undermining much of the good things that we do on climate. So the challenge of how do you, how do you tell the story? How do you get it out there? I mentioned our name F minus it's trying to take what is a complicated thing and go with radical simplicity and boil it down to the simplest thing here, which is failure, which is that hiring one of these lobbyists is radical. Our strategy really 
come to one thing, which is these oil and gas lobbyists will never wake up one morning and say, I am worried about the climate crisis. I am worried about my children. I am going to cut it off with these oil and gas companies and stop taking their check. That will never happen. And I'm sad to say this, and I don't mean to sound cynical, but it is a long, long road to try to change their behavior with facts or reason because as you just said there is this whole machine of propaganda that tries to just erase facts or come up with alternate facts or just flood them away or get people to a point where they're so overloaded that any more information whether it's true or false is just people can't process it anymore so the way to exert pressure on these lobbyists is through their wallets and having a boycott campaign where you get their other clients to pressure them and to fire them. And it's not like these lobbyists love oil and gas and coal so much. It's just easy money for them. And so they have to be forced to pick a side in the climate fight. And so if we are zeroing in on institutions in some of these states where they can be shamed. So right now I'm in Baltimore on the Johns Hopkins campus where I was a graduate student in writing different systems that can't talk to each other, which is part of why it took us a long time to pull the data and to put it all together. So this is something that people can push for in the States, which is better disclosure of lobbyist activities. There are the nonsensical disclosure laws in some states where they don't actually report the lobbyist salary. They will just report gifts and meals. So there's a lot of information we still don't have. And part of this push will be trying to strengthen state disclosure laws to make it easier to tell these stories. So there's always this kind of dynamic of being right is not enough or having the facts on your side is not enough versus all the spending and the propaganda from the fossil fuel industry. I think for me, what is hopeful about having all of this data, every, every county government, every school district is that you can get very local. And you can get to the point where the community is small enough, people actually know each other. And that has incredible value. And that is something that an ExxonMobil or the Coke company can't buy, can't overcome. And so I think there's a real teachable opportunity here working with some of those districts. I've been working on this project for several years. And honestly, it's still unimaginable to me that some of these local groups facing so many impacts of the climate crisis are doing this. And how is this happening? They really, there are two answers. They haven't really done due diligence on their lobbyists. They haven't looked at the list of their other clients or they have, and they've decided that it's worth the risk or it's worth the trade-off. Going back to the comparison with hiring a lobbyist versus hiring a lawyer, this is where law firms are more diligent about flagging conflict. With lobbying firms, the only one really policing them is the lobbying firm itself. And so when they take on a local conservation group, let's say that's trying to preserve green space, and they also have a fracking company where water and air pollution from fracking projects is damaging green space elsewhere in the state entirely up to the lobbying firm, whether or not this is a conflict and whether this is doable. And what we're trying to do with this database is to wake people up and pull aside the curtain and show what's really going on. And so the idea here is that in the future, every time someone is thinking of signing on with a lobbyist, we want them to be asking. Yes, but what are they doing on climate? And we want the lobbyists to be thinking, well, sure, I can take this oil and gas money, but do I really want to deal with getting an F minus from all of these climate groups? And then do I want to deal with all of my current clients calling me up 
and complaining about it. So once you get this information out, it is free. You can't put it back. You can't hide it again. And we're hoping to see other groups pick up this issue in other places, UK, EU, Australia, and Canada. The fossil fuel industry, they are very good at propaganda. They are also very good students of environmentalists and they understand how to manipulate them and how to push their buttons and how to disguise their own activities. And the, one of their best tactics is to surround themselves with museums, with hospitals, with charities, with public schools, and all of these groups who are doing wonderful work at the local level and who aren't going to complain about their oil and gas lobbyists because that person is bringing back money to them as well. And so again, it is tempting to go for the short-term gain, but what we need these other groups to understand is that they are implicit in a scheme that is ruining us, that is pushing us past the point of no return on climate. The reality here in the U.S. is that the political system is so completely broken and in many ways, the laws that we came up with, the ideas that we came up with in the late 1700s, that we need some new solutions. But this opportunity to rise up and fire the fossil fuel lobbyists, it, it's something people can do right now. They don't have to pass a law. They don't have to file a lawsuit. They don't have to go to the Supreme Court. They can do it right now. And so all of these groups, especially these small groups, actually have a lot of power here. And they have a lot of untapped potential to push back and to fight back against the industry. I have two kids and just love about kids is how they can immediately spot an adult who is lying or is wrong or is just saying something that is not real. And as we get older, a lot of us lose touch with that. And I think it's a beautiful thing to have that. And however young people go to work on the climate crisis or as artists or whatever passion you have, it is just so important to hold on to that. And even if someone is paying you, even if someone is promising promotions and jobs and, and titles, that sense of truth of true North, like what is right to you is, is the most important thing to, to hold on to. And so I just hope, I hope anyone going into the climate movement or the arts or other fields can find a way to hold on to that. And it can be hard because the climate crisis is so scary, but it, that is such a good guiding star to have. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.